1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way
0: to the end zone. I'll tell you what, I've done with spectacular
1: play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
2: What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it again.
1: Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben.
3: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. That's Heath Cummings. No Adam Azor one more time. He's enjoying his vacation, but we got you covered with a fun show for you today. We're going to be talking about some bounce back candidates, guys hoping to rebound after a down season in 2021, looking like they should be much better, hopefully in better situations in 2022. So, guys, hopefully you had a good weekend. Let's get right to it. So, let's tell me, tell me your favorite bounce back candidate of the guys that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to go by position: quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Uh, So, Dave, tell me your favorite bounce back candidate for 2022.
4: I think my favorite bounce back candidate is the player who I I teased was going to be a bust for me. And it's Allen Robinson going from Chicago, where he had to deal with suspect quarterback play last year, to L.A., where he's going to be on what should be a pass friendly team with a good quarterback and especially one that will attack downfield. I went back and I watched a lot of Allen Robinson last year just to see what type of a receiver he was. And there were a bunch of plays I saw where it didn't look like he was giving full effort. I wonder if that's part of the reason why he had a falling out with the coaches. I wonder if he didn't give that effort. And I might be wrong on this. Maybe he was giving an effort and he would called BS on me for saying such a thing. But I, it just didn't look like he was playing at full speed because there were also times in Chicago where he did look like he was playing at full speed. And that's the Allen Robinson that I want to see. And I think that's what he'll get in LA. He'll be properly motivated. He's in a great spot playing opposite Cooper cup, good perimeter receiver with size. Great in the red zone. He can still make those jump ball catches. It wouldn't surprise me if he had neighbor in the neighborhood of eight touchdowns. And I think he could be in line for over 120 targets as well. If you took the number two target getter at wide receiver for the Rams in every game last year, whether it was woods van Jefferson or Odell, that total was 127 targets over 17 games. If we just shove all that into Allen Robinson, I think he's got a chance to bounce back to 80 catches close to a thousand yards and you already know the touchdowns
3: eight touchdowns would be the second most of his career in a season he did have a 14 touchdown year in 2015 as we know and we've seen Allen robinson bounce back a few times already in his career he came back from the acl uh after leaving Jacksonville, going to chicago 2017-2018 so he bounced back in that season had a down season even in 2018 and he came back in 2019 with 15.8 ppr points per game 2020, 16.4 PPR points per game. And then last year's disastrous situation, 6.3 PPR points per game. So hopefully he gets back to that. Middle teens would would be fun for uh, fantasy managers. We'll find out if Odell Beckham does return to the Rams as well. That's still a rumor that's out there that they're interested in bringing him back. And according to reports, he is on track to make a full recovery on time for the start of the season from his ACL tear. So we'll see if that also comes to fruition. Heath, your favorite bounce back candidate for 2022 is?
1: Uh, peek behind the curtain time because I was like almost done with my list and ready to hit send when that little notification in the bottom right-hand corner of your email pops up. Dave Richard has added a new message to the thread and <laughs> then Dave stole my favorite bounce back candidate and now I see that Dave actually has him ranked below his ADP and I've got him like 17 spots higher so I'm stealing him back. My favorite bounce back candidate is Juju Smith-Schuster. In his current situation on the Kansas City Chiefs, Listen, I I am a little bit concerned about the talk of them trading for a real number one wide receiver, although it doesn't sound like DK Metcalf or AJ Brown are actually on the market. If it's just the fact they bring in someone through the draft, I'm going to love him almost just as much as I do right now. I think he has top 12 upside with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. And you know, I'm in love with great production as a young player, and that's what he gave us his first two years in the league. Those are also the only two years he's played in the NFL with competent quarterback play and good health. If he stays healthy for 16 games this season and they don't trade for some superstar before the draft, he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver this year.
3: It's going to be fun to see. Uh, We know, like you mentioned, his first two seasons, 13.6 PPR points per game as a rookie. And then the big season in his sophomore campaign, 18.5 PPR points per game. But since then, it's been a disaster. You had the Roethlisberger's lost season in 2019, so you can sort of give a juju a pass on that year. And then 14.6 PPR points per game. I think anybody who would draft him this year would take that, you know, just knowing that if he gave you that, you'd be pretty okay with the production, uh, especially at the ADP. But last year's season, and again, very small sample size because he only played in five games due to the shoulder injury, 6.6 PPR points per game. But it was a very much a struggle before he got hurt. So hopefully he gets back to at least the level that we saw in 2020 when Roethlisberger was back on the field. From a production standpoint, we'd love to see the numbers, the raw numbers, get back to what he was doing in 2018, Uh, when he had 111 catches for 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. He's certainly capable of that, but will he do it in Kansas City? That's going to be the question. And as you said, Heath, will he have more company if they bring in somebody else in the draft or multiple guys in the draft? We just don't know exactly what the Chiefs' full plan is to restock their receiving core, but Juju definitely in line for a bounce-back campaign along with Allen Robinson. Great choices by both of you there. Uh, You can listen to the Fantasy Football Today podcast on your smart speaker. Simply say, Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Two fun ways to listen to us, so make sure you're using your Alexa or saying, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Not a lot in terms of transactions going on from the weekend when it comes to NFL news and notes, but obviously we had a very tragic situation when former Washington quarterback, former Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins, unfortunately passed away at the age of 24. Very tragic situation. Uh, obviously, our thoughts and prayers, condolences to his family, uh, thinking about the situation over the weekend. And, uh, you know, just very, very sad to see any player, any person's life cut short. And uh, again, our thoughts uh, with him and his, with his family and, um, you know, just very, very tragic for uh, for that scenario there. So, um, you know, not not really much we have to say about that as, uh, aside from, you know, just uh, I'm sure I speak for everybody sending our our thoughts to his family. And hopefully uh, they'll be able to get over this tragic situation as well. the NFL community as well. Uh, let's get back to our bounce back candidates here. And we're starting with some quarterbacks. So we got into a couple of wide receivers already. So let's get into the quarterbacks that we're looking at here in the first one. Uh, I'll start with you, Heath, since they've had the first word on the favorite one. So let's talk about Russell Wilson, because uh, I think everybody's expecting him to have a big season. I think he could be the number one quarterback in fantasy. Wouldn't be that much of a stretch given the arsenal that he has around him, the talent he has around him, and maybe the best situation that he's ever had uh, as a quarterback here going to Denver. So, Last year, frustrating in Seattle. We know he had the injury with the finger, missed a lot of time, um, came back, had some moderate success, uh, but just one of the worst years of his career from a point production standpoint, 17.9 fantasy points per game. How good can he be? Can he be top five, top three, top one, you know, number one? Can he be that good as a fantasy producer in Denver now?
1: I mean, he's shown us over the last couple of years just in short stretches that he still has the ability to be number one. He's been number one for a half of a season, I think twice in the last three seasons. So I definitely believe he has that potential. I'm not ranking him like that. I think the bounce back part's kind of easy because of what happened with the finger and how poorly he played when he rushed back from that injury. But also I've got some hope that there's a bounce back in terms of volume. 2020, he set a career high with 558 attempts. He had one other season where they even let him throw it 550 times last year league median for pass attempts was 597 i I have a real hope that russ is gonna get to throw more passes than he ever has he probably doesn't have quite the same level of top two weapons but has a deeper cast of weapons in denver more pass attempts deeper weapons he has the ability to be number one but i think he's got a real good shot if he stays healthy all year of finishing top five
3: We all have him ranked ahead of what his ADP is right now. You're going to hear us reference ADP a lot. It's obviously not from our site. We're looking at the NFC ADP. You hear us reference that a lot. That's a high stakes fantasy league. And we're looking at the ADP following the Tyreek Hill trade to Miami, which was in March, uh, March 25th to be exact. And so the ADP right now has Russell Wilson at 10. I have Wilson ranked the highest at six. Dave, you have him at eight. Heath, you have him at nine. Um, Heath, in terms of the projections, because obviously you're the one that does that of the three of us, how many right. pass attempts are you projecting for Russell Wilson?
1: I have him projected at 570. So a career high, but it's 17 games. So not quite a career high on a per game basis, but much better than he was last year on a per game basis.
4: I would take the over. 100 divided game. by 17. That's too many, right? 35 pass attempts per game. That's too many to project for him, Heath?
1: I, well, I mean, I think so. Yeah. I've got him at 570. Okay.
4: I mean, the one thing that that I've been encouraged by is that everything out of Denver sounds like they're willing to let Russ cook, which is something that Seattle was just so hesitant to do. So if he, was willing, if he was good enough to be like a top six fantasy quarterback with occasional gusts into QB2 territory, when he was limited as a passer and not getting those pass attempts, just imagine what he would do if he did get 600-plus pass attempts in Denver, even though the receiving core, I think you said it perfectly, Heath, it's deeper, it's not necessarily as top-heavy. I think there's a chance for him to be really good this year. If they let him do his thing, they make the offense revolver on him and he gets
3: north of the 570 pass attempts that you're projecting him for. That 2020 season was his best in terms of fantasy points, 27.4 points per game. He threw for 40 touchdowns, 4,212 4, 4, yards passing on those 558 attempts. I think he's going to be better than that. I think this is going to be his best season ever. Uh, and, and look, uh, those guys – they might be better than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. We just don't know. I mean, you know, it's asking a lot, but Russ may bring out the best in them. And you know, we might see the best of what Jerry Judy, which is why he was drafted in the first round, can become what we saw at Alabama. And Cortland Sutton, once upon a time, showed us flashes of being one of the top tier wide receivers in the league before he had the ACL tear, so maybe he gets back to that. So they could have a top two, uh, maybe Tim Patrick's in that conversation also. Uh, Tight end could be better than anything Russ has had from an athletic standpoint. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to see Russell Wilson play. I'm excited about him, obviously. Keith is as well, and I know Dave is also. Dave, your bounce-back candidate is Lamar Jackson, coming off his worst season since his rookie year, but obviously worst season as a full-time starter. So can he get back to being that MVP-caliber quarterback? Because I think that's what we're all going to expect when we draft Lamar Jackson or rank Lamar Jackson or look at Lamar Jackson. Uh, but <laughs> last year, very frustrating dealing with the ankle injury, had a COVID yeah. situation also, uh, missing five games. Does Lamar Jackson get back to that MVP season that we saw once upon a time in 2019?
4: And even though he had all those issues last year, and if you throw out the game that he got hurt, and this is me Azer statting, but you know throwing out the game that he got hurt very early on, in still averaged 23 and a half fantasy points per game and six point per passing touchdown leagues. That's I, I feel like that's the floor for him. If he doesn't get hurt again this year and or get COVID again this year and miss you know significant amount of time, fully expect him to be better than that. And you just, I, what really helped sell me on Lamar Jackson was going back and looking at J.K. Dobbins' rookie year, weeks eight through 17, when Dobbins became a thing in Baltimore. The run game was rolling. They, they're usually a 50 50 team run pass ratio. They were absolutely that in 2020. And Lamar Jackson had a higher uh, percentage of carries in that span when J.K. Dobbins was breaking out. Uh, then both Dobbins and Gus Edwards, it was close between him and Dobbins, but he was still getting a lot of run. That's the main reason why you're drafting Lamar Jackson. But I also think you can't underestimate what he does for Marquise Brown, what he does for Mark Andrews, and hopefully what he does for Rashad Bateman, plus anybody else that they add. And I just think that the whole reason why we're gravitating toward running quarterbacks is it has a lot to do with Lamar Jackson and what he's able to do rushing for touchdowns, capable of getting a hundred yards a game. That's 10 fantasy points in most leagues being okay. As a passer is again, the floor, he will have games where he stinks. The rushing will hopefully make up for that. He will have games where he's awesome passing the football and he'll supplement his passing numbers with his rushing numbers. He does have QB one upside. And I think he's absolutely a top five QB Jamie. I know that you're the highest on him, but I, I, I can't help myself. I think that he's going to be very close to being back in that top five range.
3: I think when we look at, well, first off, I, w- I want to bring up, you brought up JK Dobbins. I'll get into the Melvin Gordon rumor because I think we should address that also, but let's, we about, should. Yes. Let's talk about Lamar for a second here. So, um, Heath, when you look at Jackson right now, you haven't ranked fourth. Dave hasn't ranked fourth. His ADP right now is going as the seventh quarterback off the board, which if you can get him at the seventh quarterback, that's just a steal 58th yeah. overall. You know, we always won't, kind of look at what the overall is for quarterbacks because our drafts are always all over the place. That includes super flex leagues also from the NFC ADP. But when you start to compare him to that group up at the top of the most people's rank list, I'm going to assume it's most people's rank list. So Josh Allen, probably going to be the number one quarterback ranked. I know that's the case for all three of us. And then it gets down to Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, Dak Prescott, uh, Tom Brady. You know, there's a whole handful of guys that are going to be in that top six or seven. Uh, Heath, why not Lamar Jackson second for you? Because you usually are very high on him and expect him to play at usually his highest level. I'm surprised he's not second for you. Head him home.
1: Yeah, and I've I've got him third. That, that ranking apparently wasn't updated, but I've got it Allen, Herbert, Jackson. And basically yeah. for me, it's Allen is the clear number one right now, basically a point per game better than everybody else. And then Jackson, Herbert, and Mahomes are separated by like three fantasy points. I think there's a little bit more risk With Jackson, there's with Herbert and Mahomes because of what we saw last year and because of a running quarterback like he is. But there's more upside for him. I think, really, from what we've seen at least the past three or four years, Jackson and Mahomes and Allen have an upside that's probably higher than anybody else. Um, So I I wouldn't argue with anyone taking him over Herbert. I do think, without a doubt right now, in almost every mock that I do, he's the best value at quarterback. Because like you said, he's got an ADP of seventh. He's around available generally in round six and this was a guy that was going in round four last year so i love the value for him
3: it's gonna be fun to see and we'll see what uh the backfield looks like in baltimore because there was a rumor that melvin gordon uh talking to i guess not rumor i guess he's talking to the uh the ravens you know we'll see if they're going to finalize a contract maybe that's something that happens today uh would be a mess <laughs> it would be an absolute mess if uh he ends up with the ravens because we're Moderately excited to whatever degree about J.K. Dobbins. And, you know, I think Gus Edwards, if he was the number two guy, would fall into the sleeper category. But if you bring in a guy like Melvin Gordon there, it either speaks volumes to where the health is of Dobbins and Edwards, both coming off of ACL tears. Dobbins was first. Edwards, as we know, right before the start of the yeah. season. Uh, so maybe they're not fully healthy. John Harbaugh, and there's been multiple reports uh, about them maybe starting the season on the pup list because they're not ready not to right. go, which is you know frustrating and, and certainly Uh, Not something we were hoping for. You know, usually you expect an ACL tear in training camp or in the beginning of the summer, uh, middle of the summer. These guys will be ready by the start of the next season. And it doesn't seem like they may be on track if they're going to bring in somebody like Melvin Gordon. So, uh, Heath, I know you're the uh, highest, I think, on Dobbins. Uh, I know you love him from a dynasty perspective. What would this do to J.K. Dobbins fantasy value if Melvin Gordon ends up in Baltimore? Man, I, I hope it
1: doesn't happen, but for redraft, it's going to really crush him. Now, one of the great things about Dynasty for Dobbins is even though he missed last year and he played two years ago, he's still one of the younger backs in terms of Dynasty. So I think he would still stay as a top 15 back for sure in Dynasty for me. He would be outside of my top 20 in redraft, and he's not far from 20th right now. I've cooled on him a little bit for redraft with, just with the reports that keep coming out about how they don't know if he or Gus Edwards will be healthy, and the fact they're talking to Gordon now, I'm I'm hopeful that Gordon's using them for leverage because he wants somebody else to give him a little bit more money. And if that happens, then I'll feel a little bit better. But yeah, he's a number two running back for redraft. I've still got him as a number one for dynasty purposes because I think you could take a 14-13 game season for Dobbins this year where he finishes a number two and still view him as a, a number one next year. One I feel like that's the optimistic down. view.
3: Yeah, Dave. Before with, you jump in. Yeah, you have Dobbins still as a number two guy if Gordon's there?
1: If Gordon's there, he'd probably be right around 24, 25. Okay, how about you, Dave?
4: Uh, If Gordon's there, I think that's a sign that things are bad there. And Harbaugh told me at the NFL owners meeting that both guys could start training camp on the pup list that makes sense for any team that's got a player coming back from injury to start training camp on the pup list. Remember it's different to start training camp off the pup list. You can come off at any time. It's when you start the season on the pup list. That's when things get a little dicey for us in fantasy land, because then they're going to miss at least the first six weeks of the season. I, I think that it's got something to do with one of those backs, just like you said, James, and it wouldn't be good for either guy. And so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about lowering both of them in my rankings, both Dobbins and Gus Edwards, just on the rumor that Melvin Gordon could be going to Baltimore. Because if it's not Melvin Gordon, maybe they draft someone. Maybe one of these guys has a really bad knee and it's taking them a long time to come back. And we just don't know when they'll be back in the mix for the Ravens. And that's bad because we want certainly we'd like to see Gus Edwards back because, you know, he's fun. But Dobbins is the one we really want to see. And if he's not ready to go, then I just
3: I wonder if that just pulverizes his dynasty value. Right. It could be. It could be. You know. I think we should make it clear. It could be that not both of them are not ready to go. It could be Dobbins is fine. Edwards is not ready to go. It could be that as we saw last year, they right. just want to have a third person that they trust because not only did they lose those two guys, they lost Justice Hill as well. So their top three running backs on their depth chart. We remember they were scrambling. We thought Tyson Williams would be a thing that didn't necessarily materialize over the course of the season. They bring in Devontae, well, Devontae Freeman, excuse me. They bring in uh, Latavius Murray, so they were really scrambling. And I did see some uh, before this, you know, Melvin Gordon situation. Um, some of the Ravens beat writers talking about their draft needs and saying running back, and it was like, why do they need a running back? Well, you know, I guess they want to just have somebody there for depth purposes. Melvin Gordon, though, would not be a depth type of guy. He would be somebody that would play and maybe play over Dobbins or over Edwards if they're healthy, which would be the frustrating situation. I would be terrified of drafting any of them as a starter if Melvin Gordon is there. So I would probably have Dobbins more as a flex than as a number two running back. All right, let's take a break right now when we come back and get into our running back bounce back candidates, our wide receiver bounce back candidates, a lot more players to talk about here on our bounce back episode.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived.
3: If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know
2: talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
3: All right, let's get into the running back bounce backs here. So, Keith, the guy that you have first here is going to have to bounce back from two seasons of down performances from where he was to get back to the level, I think, where a lot of people would be comfortable saying, I love Ezekiel Elliott again. But he's coming off what was a very interesting season because he finished the year as a good running back when you look at the overall performance. But his per game number is not exactly great. And as we know, watching Ezekiel Elliott, it didn't feel like he was still of the upper echelon of fantasy running backs. He had 14.1 PPR points per game. In 2020, he was at 14.8 PPR points per game. But the three years prior to that, the four years prior to that, when he was a monster, he was at at least 19.4 PPR points per game or better. So calling him a bounce back candidate, Heath, are you expecting to get back to that level or something in between what we saw the last couple of years and that production when he was one of the best of the best of this position.
1: Well, I mean, you mentioned that 19 fantasy points per game. That's exactly, well, 19.1 what he was averaging the first six weeks of last year. And so I like I do think it's absolutely possible that he got hurt mid-season last year, was not the same guy because of that injury. And that's why we saw the poor effectiveness and the poor efficiency. Now, I don't really think it's reasonable. The history we have with running backs who get to his age and have seen some decline, they bounce back sometimes. They don't often bounce back to what they were when they were 23, 24, 25. So this is more of a, I think he can be better than the guy he was as a total last year um, if, if everything goes right, but maybe not a top five guy if everything goes right. More than that, I think he can bounce back from what he was in the second half, not lose quite as much work to Tony Pollard, still get all the touchdowns, still catch 40-plus passes, and still be a very good number two running back.
3: Currently his ADP is the 21st running back off the board. That's the NFC ADP. Uh, 43rd overall is where he's going. So in the fourth round, which I think is great value, that's where he went in the draft that we just did, our half PPR mock draft. You can see that on the site. Uh, I have him ranked 21st. Heath, you're the high guy at 20, so we're in the same range. Dave, you're not far behind at 25, but you're the low guy on Zeke. And so Dave, you know, looking at, like Heath said, his age, uh, his offensive line, at least as of now, lost two guys. Um, they are looking at maybe an increased role for Tony Pollard, but we're also looking at which could benefit him. And we saw this last year is that the receiving core is depleted a little bit. I know they bring in James Washington, but they lose Amari Cooper, which is a big loss. They lose said Wilson for whatever that's worth. And so how much of his role in the passing game maybe helps him sustain a good fantasy level, fantasy production? Um, and when are you comfortable drafting, Ezekiel?
4: I'm okay drafting him late round four, early round five. I'm not as optimistic about him bouncing back to being a top 12 running back. He hasn't been that the last two seasons. He's played a lot the last two seasons. So I'm not ready to say, well, it was the knee, and that's what cost him last year. He did get off to a good start last year, no question about it. But I think Tony Pollard, who's better in so many efficiency metrics or was last year better in so many efficiency metrics over Ezekiel Elliott, is just going to be more involved in the offense. And the Cowboys kind of stuck with Ezekiel Elliott because of his contract and, and the big money that Jerry Jones gave him. They just find a way to utilize him and Pollard Not necessarily 50 50 Denver Broncos style, but maybe closer to 60 40. And that just puts him in the number two running back territory. I don't want to draft him too high to his ceiling because I'm just, I don't know if he can ever get back to where he once was. So I'm looking at my rankings now. I think I've got to take him ahead of J.K. Dobbins as we sit here today. Now, if Dobbins ends up being just fine and he's not the reason why Melvin Gordon's getting rumored to Baltimore and he's going to be the lead back for the Ravens, all that stuff, then, of course, I'll take Dobbins ahead of Zeke. But he's, like, right on the fence for me as a low-end number two running back on draft day. I don't want to get caught with him uh, in, like, round two or round three knowing that there's
3: some pretty serious downside there. Had a 10-game stretch where he was under 55 yards rushing. Uh, Touchdown saved him. Obviously, he's working the passing game for a few of those weeks saved him so hopefully at least you get that if he does continue to struggle but you got to be certainly the cowboys are concerned by what they paid him Uh, i'm sure they would love to get rid of that contract but it's so funny when you talk about these guys because he was the sixth running back in ppr last year again per game basis versus total points you have to look at that but his total points saved him so if you drafted him last year he didn't crush you but he certainly didn't give you the return on investment when he was a first round pick so now going around four hard to pass up what his value is in round four Another guy that was clear disappointment last season. Hopefully we'll bounce back as well. This season's Dave's guy, Saquon Barkley. So right now the ADP has him as the 17th running back in NFC ADP, 37th overall, so going ahead of Zeke. Uh, Dave, you have him at 17. Heath, you have him at 16. I have him at 19. So again, we're all in the same range. So Dave, are we going to get the Dave Gettleman, Saquon Barkley? Or are we going to get the Saquon Barkley that we've seen the last couple of years, which has certainly been frustrating due to injury, Lack of production, lack of talent around him, offensive line concerns. You know, a lot yep. of excuses made for Saquon Barkley. Is this the year that he sort of overcomes that and he gets back to what we saw his first and second season?
4: I am hoping we get the Brian Dable version of Saquon Barkley. And
3: I look, is that I can't off or Devin Singletary.
4: Uh hopefully it's <laughs> closer to Devin Singletary circa end of 2021 season. Yep. I don't think I don't think anybody would be comfortable saying Daniel Jones is going to replicate what Josh Allen did unless we talk about Josh Allen uh, or Daniel Jones taking steps two years from now or three years from now. So they need to do something to take some pressure off of Daniel Jones Improving the offensive line, which they really haven't done a great job of so far this offseason, but they can do it in the draft. They've got two early first-round picks. Surely at least one of those picks will go toward the offensive line. Hopefully that pick pans out very quickly for them, and hopefully that offensive line is better for Saquon Barkley. I think Barkley, if he's healthy, should have a chance to get a good workload in this Giants offense, especially if the Giants are ready to just let him walk after this season, and they just utilize him to the best of – as much as they possibly can, I guess I should say. Dable's track record with running backs, despite the last two years in Buffalo, which I would give him a pass for because he had Josh Allen and because Josh Allen was such a and is such a great runner, it's been good. At least 20% of the receptions in Brian Dable's offenses, this is early Buffalo, this is Alabama, it's Kansas City, it's Miami, it's Cleveland, have gone to running backs. So if Daniel Jones is throwing 570 times, He's completing 62, 63% of those passes. Uh, I'm not as good of a mathematician as Heath is, but I think that leaves a lot of receptions to take, uh, to put in Saquon Barkley's mitts. And that's just going to be part of him bouncing back as a PPR fantasy running back. He's certainly the best candidate that they have to run between the tackles, to work in the red zone, to work at the goal line. I I can't imagine that you're going to find a lot of running backs when you get to round three that have... The 20-touch potential, the goal line potential, and the upside that Saquon has, who, by the way, once upon a time, and it was a couple of years ago, finished second overall and seventh overall in PPR points per game. So crazy upside for him. I like him better than Ezekiel Elliott because I don't think there's somebody on this team as of now that's going to challenge him for playing time. And I think Saquon Barkley, he's an injury risk just as much as Christian McCaffrey is, and people are taking McCaffrey in round one. You're getting a good discount on Saquon Barkley for taking him in round three.
3: If he can bounce back to that type of player, and as uh, our buddy Adam Azer has suggested, which seems to be a logical take that the Giants might be tanking, um, trying to get more draft capital heading into the 2023 season, This doesn't feel like a team that's going to be very good. So how much touchdown potential does he have? He only scored twice on the ground last year, twice through the air. His receiving numbers, and Heath, you've definitely made note of this time and time again, going from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones, who certainly is going to run as opposed to the statue of what Eli Manning has been. He's gone from 91 catches as a rookie to 52 catches in his second season to 41 catches last year, just looking at the three seasons that he's played at least 13 games. And the targets have gone way down. Now, again, as Dave noted, it's a new coach, new system, so hopefully they do feature him a little bit more. But will they get him to the level which made him such a success in those first two seasons of being, let's just say, a 70-catch guy if you want to average the first two years of what he did? Can he be that type of player, Heath? Can he be that do-it-all threat in the backfield? I do think, as Dave said, the touchdown potential, if they score a lot, is there for him. He should be the goal-line guy, but definitely on first and second down. But even if he's playing on third down, is he going to be a 50-catch guy again? Because I think he needs that to get back into maybe the top 10 of fantasy running backs.
1: I mean, it's re- it's really going to come down to whether Brian Dables thinks that he's still Saquon Barkley because we've not really seen this offense target running backs in that type of way. We've not, we've not seen Daniel Jones target them to the same lengths that Eli Manning did when Saquon was his very best. And so I, it's hard for me to – it's not something I'm going to project. I think he probably has more upside – than what Zeke does because of the possibility that they see him as that and they force him back into that role. But his risk seems significantly higher than what Zeke's is just because of how bad this offense could be. I don't know that they are going to be a lot of touchdowns, and I don't know that they're going to be a lot of catches.
3: Yeah, I, I guess the 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 risk factor, you know, when, when, and Dave brought this up about McCaffrey, you know, at what point does Zeke look at himself and say, I played through this injury last year and everybody crapped on me? Am I going to do it again? You know, if he gets hurt or has some sort of you know problem, right. especially the Cowboys might say, hey, look, we're a playoff caliber team. We want to have you, you know, ready for the end of the season. We can run Tony Pollard right now and try and save Zeke. You know, Barkley doesn't have that luxury. He's obviously looking at a new contract situation, you know, so he might try to right. get That's some his of that motivation. Um, right, you know, so I do think Barkley's upside is better than Zeke's. Um, we all have a ranked that way, so nobody's saying anything different. But you know, hopefully you get closer to what we saw those first two years from Saquon Barkley. I'm hopeful. I, I really do think he's one of the best buys in the third round. Uh, but that also feels like you know, I and, and I know we we, we kind of shift the narrative of where the dead zone of running backs begins. It feels like Barkley and Zeke going in, you know, somewhere in the middle of round three and the middle of round four, respectively, for those two guys. Feels like we could be starting to get to that point when you're drafting some of these running backs. Next guy we're looking at here, this is one of your guys, Heath, and that's David Montgomery. But I think we all kind of share the same sentiment that we hope he's going to bounce back to what we saw two years ago when he had that monster finish at the end of the season. Then last year, which is kind of a disaster all the way around for the Bears. Uh, But Montgomery right now is the 22nd running back in ADP, 44 overall. The ranking goes Heath, nine, Dave, 13. I am at 17th. I'm going to make some adjustments, factoring in J.K. Dobbins as well. Uh, But he'll move up a couple spots. But he probably won't crack my top 15. But, again, we're all kind of in a similar – well, Dave and I are in a similar range. Heath, you're very excited about David Montgomery. So uh, this kind of goes with a lot of our offseason conversation of Justin Fields. And I know uh, I think you like – um, this Bears offense and the direction they're heading. I know we talked a lot last year about the offensive line and feeling like this is a good, you know, group. Uh, so can he get back to being a top 10 guy like Gavin Ring? Yeah, I think he
1: can. It's funny because you look at when he was hurt and when Fields was starting last year, and they really only played four full games together. And one of those games was a partial game for Montgomery, but it was close enough to call it a four full game. One of the things that cost Montgomery last year in comparison to what he did in 2020 was his yards per carry, YPC for life, fell from (laughs) 4.3 to 3.8. That cost him about 100, 150 rushing yards. Well, he ran for 4.2 yards per carry when he was playing with Justin Fields. The other concern is, well, Fields isn't going to throw it at his running backs. The last two games they played together, David Montgomery had 13 targets in those two games and caught 11 passes. So I do think that Fields will throw the ball to Montgomery. I also think that Fields' rushing ability is going to make Montgomery more efficient than he was last year over a full season. And nice. as, bad as, he, as bad of a disaster as it was for that entire Bears offense last year, he was still at 15 fantasy points per game with two partial games, which tied him with Elijah, Elijah Mitchell for RB15. So I do think that there's a pretty good bounce back potential to get back into that top 10, because even a little bit better than what he, what he was last year is pretty close to 12th.
3: Uh, first off, Dave, before you jump in, I want to uh, say thank you to Ray Ray Gill. I think that is uh, telling everybody to like the stream. We appreciate that. So please like the stream there on YouTube. Uh, thank you, Ray Ray. Uh, so Dave, you know, we have a new system here. Um, Luke Getzi is going to be the offense coordinator under Matt Eberflus. Um, Is this going to be a good thing for David Montgomery? Are we going to see him share with Khalil Herbert maybe more? Is Justin Fields' legs going to be a problem? This receiving core is pretty bare right now and so that, his role in the passing game, as Heath alluded to, could be really, really strong. But is he going to get back to that guy that we saw in his second season in 2020 when he averaged 17.6 PPR points per game, or more like the guy which was still serviceable last year when he played 13.5 PPR points per game? I think he's got a shot
4: to be closer to the 17 PPR point per game guy. Getsy comes from Green Bay. He's a West Coast offense guy. Think about how the running backs caught the ball uh, for the Packers. Uh, It can be as simple as two or three or four catches per game, something that's useful for fantasy, or it can be something crazy like the big game that Aaron Jones had in the Packers playoff game, uh, which was a loss, but he still had a ton of catches and he broke a long play. I think the bears would be wise to get Montgomery the ball and just use his physicality, his, his yards after contact to their advantage He's proven to be a good workhorse type of a running back. I think he can have many games where he gets, like I was going to say, close to 20 touches per game. Let's call it 17 touches per game. And certainly a lot of them can be catches, fields certainly, and and Heath alluded to this, he has shown that he's capable of getting the ball into Montgomery's hands, and it doesn't have to be necessarily on you know dump passes where there's just nothing open downfield. Uh, and I think Justin's a smart quarterback, too. So if if the strategy is to get the ball into Montgomery's hands and they don't want to have to rely on the offensive line, which is going to take a step backward this year, they can throw to him on the edges and use him you know, as a bowling ball against defensive backs on the perimeter. Makes sense to me. Sounds good to me. I know he's going to be used close to the goal line. I, I don't have him ranked as a top 12 running back, but he's absolutely got that upside.
3: I feel like he's in the the group of high-end number two guys. I know, Heath, you have him ranked a little differently, but it feels like he belongs more in this tier of guys, of Fournette, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, James Conner. Um, maybe you want to say Saquon Barkley as well. Um, I know, Heath, you have him ranked ahead of right now, which I don't think anybody's going to draft him that way, barring a suspension, but I've, ahead of Alvin Kamara, ahead of Javante Williams. I don't know if that's, that's changed for you or not, um, and ahead of DeAndre Swift. So I would take all those guys over him personally, but uh, I think Montgomery is going to be fascinating to see if he goes ahead of that group of, of Fournette, Jones, Jacobs, Connor, or if he goes more in the middle of that group, um, depending on how things go for a lot of fancy managers. Again, right now his ADP is as the 22nd running back off the board, which is an absolute steal if you're getting him that late in round four at 44 overall. So our running back bounce back candidates, just to recap for those of you who missed it. Just jumping in right now, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery. We all have them ranked well ahead of where their ADP is right now. Or I guess maybe not Barkley. We're right in the range of where Barkley is. But uh, we have Montgomery certainly ranked ahead of what his ADP is right now. Let's get to the wide receivers. We already talked about a couple of them. You can listen at the beginning of the show about Allen Robinson and Juju Smith-Schuster, both bounce-back candidates for each of the guys there. And I would certainly agree on them bouncing back, uh, especially Juju and Robinson joining new teams with the Rams and the Chiefs, respectively. Let's talk about A.J. Brown now, though. Heath, this is one of your guys. His ADP is as is, is as the ninth wide receiver off the board, 25th overall. We don't usually see him get out of the second round in a lot of our drafts. So uh, right now, uh, you're the high guy, Adam Heath, at five. I have him at seven. Dave, you have him at nine. Uh, A.J. Brown, same quarterback, different running mate now. Robert Woods replacing Julio Jones. Is it just a matter of him staying healthy and we're going to get the best of A.J. Brown? Because it seems like this could be another big season for him, but we said the same thing about that going into 2021.
1: Yeah, and I think that getting healthy maybe is more to do than just the four games that he missed because his efficiency, while it was pretty close to average or above average last year for any other wide receiver, really cratered. He averaged 17.4 yards per catch his first two years in the league on 190 targets. That was down to 13.8. His yards per target fell from 11.2 to 8.3. His touchdown rate fell from 10% to below 5%. Even his catch rate fell four points. So I, I think even some of those games that he was playing last year, he must not have been healthy because he was not producing like the A.J. Brown we'd seen the first two years in the league. Hopefully we can get 17 games. I would take 15 games of A.J. Brown producing like he did the first two years in the league, though, and that'd be a major bounce back and a top five wide receiver.
3: And obviously his his rookie season um, was – you know, we had the, the breakout toward the end of the year, but only 13.5 PPR points per game last year, 14.1 PPR points per game. But it just felt differently watching how those two seasons unfolded. His second season was amazing at 17.2 PPR points per game, he scored 11 touchdowns that year. But he's continually missing time over the last two seasons, missing practice time. So hopefully he gets his body right. Big year coming for him because this is going to be a contract situation type of year, you know, where they start talking about extending him. And we know there's a trade rumors out there. Tennessee certainly seems committed to keeping him. We hope that's the case. So, Dave, uh, you're the low guy on him. I'm surprised he's not in your, you know, closer to five than he is right now, closer to 10 for you. Um, what are your concerns about A.J. Brown?
4: I'm concerned about drafting him too high and too close to a ceiling. And so I'm, I'm going to try and be a little more steady on A.J. Brown. It's not that I'm trying to stay away from A.J. Brown. If I'm in late round two. Absolutely, he's on my radar. Maybe even the middle of round two if it's in one of the three receiver leagues that we tend to do a lot of mocks in. And even if it's half PPR or non-PPR, I still like him there. Uh, I might even like him a little bit more in non-PPR because he doesn't get a ton of targets. He had 8.1 targets per game last year. That was 16th best among wide receivers. I just I know what kind of a team he's on, and that means that there will be some games where he has – four catches for 65 yards and no touchdowns. And I just, I can't put him in that top echelon knowing that he's not going to get crazy target volume from game to game. So I love the talent. He's one of the players that I think about, man, wouldn't he be amazing if he were on the chiefs or the Rams, you know, throw any of the bills, any offense that loves to air it out. And the Titans just aren't that team. As long as Derek, and even when Derek Henry was hurt, they weren't that team. They still ran the ball a lot when Derrick Henry was out. I just think that's the DNA of the Titans and AJ Brown's got to really work around that.
3: Yeah, it's uh it's a valid concern. Um, I think you said it best. You know, it's, 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 it's always a little troubling when you're drafting a guy to the ceiling, but when you start to talk about, you know, continuity and does Devonte Adams have that maybe so, because he's with his college quarterback, does Tyreek have that probably not, you know, switch the teams. Um, there's Debo Samuel who took off all of his social media posts about his team, you know, happy and wanting to be running back or wide receiver, whatever he's going to be for the 49ers last year. You know, the guys that were looking at AJ Brown in terms of ranking him, um, you know, it's going to be, it's, 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 it's certainly, you know, those, those questions come up with a lot of these other guys. So hopefully Brown can put it all together, have that big season. You know, last year was frustrating going into his third year. So maybe his fourth year will be that huge breakout campaign that we've been waiting for. And he's even better than what he was in his second season. Terry McLaurin was somebody I was very excited about last year. I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick would unleash Terry McLaurin. Did not happen because Fitzpatrick was hurt with a hip injury in week one. So Taylor Heineke uh, brought down what Terry McLaurin's production was based on what we saw the first two seasons. Now he gets a new quarterback in Carson Wentz. His ADP right now is as the 20th receiver off the board, 52nd overall in terms of when he's going. So going in that round four range. Uh, He threw the high guy on him at 15. Dave, you have him at 17. I'm at 18. So, again, we're all in the same range on Terry McLaurin. So, Dave, this is your guy that you're expecting to be hopefully better than what we saw last year. Is it a faith in Carson Wentz or is it a faith just in Terry McLaurin sort of having that type of year that we've been waiting for? I think Wentz is a small upgrade
4: over Taylor Heineke except in one area. I think he's a better deep ball thrower, and I think that that would help Terry McLaurin improve on, I think he was just over 12 PPR points per game last year, which was bad. It's terrible. Uh, 11 and a half. Oh, it's even worse. Um, I I expect him to be closer to 15 PPR points per game. And when, when I go through my rankings and I'm looking at players to take in round three, there's just there aren't a lot of receivers and running backs that I'm loving to take at that point. I could see McLaurin continuing to lead the commanders in targets. He was doing a good job of that. It was uh, I don't know if it was right around 7.6 targets per game last year, but that's what I've got him in my fake projections for. I think he can be right around there, so he'll be below eight targets per game, but he'll still be pretty close to it. I could see him coming through as a number two fantasy receiver. I'm drafting him as such. I don't think anybody would bat an eye at that, but its it's more about, seeing that ADP on NFC in round 5 and thinking that that's just too late. I think he can be better than that. And I wouldn't mind taking him late round 3 if I needed a wide receiver.
3: Yeah, uh, late round 3 is is an interesting range. Uh 15 PPR points per game would be a career high for him. He was at 14.8 in his second season, so he's right there when things go right. And that was his, you know, year that we were looking at he scored four touchdowns that season. He scored 7 as a rookie, 5 last year. So uh, Heath, same question. You know, is Carson Wentz going to be the answer for Terry McLaurin's woes, or is it going to be another season of high expectations but minimal production?
1: I Yeah, I think that he, he will be the best quarterback who Terry McLaurin has played with.
3: How dare you say that about Case, Case Keenum?
1: And so it's not unreasonable <laughs> to expect that he could have his best season ever. I think 15 fantasy points per game is a pretty fair expectation. He's got number one upside if he stays healthy and plays all year and has a decent touchdown rate it's he's had all really weird years in terms of efficiency and how things have bounced around. We have not seen the year where Terry McLaurin puts it all together and a lot of that has to do with the quarterback boy.
3: Uh yes, I think that's fair. You know, he's been one of these guys that, you know, I don't want to put him in the same category of what I used to say about Stefan Diggs in Minnesota, but he feels like that. Like if he gets with a good quarterback, we're going to see the best of of Terry McLaurin and you know, there was the report that the commanders were bidding against themselves to get Carson Wentz. And, you know, I, I think you asked some people who cover the team, do they have buyer's remorse? Because seeing Baker Mayfield still out there, seeing guys that were, you know, traded and how some of these trades unfolded, that they gave up two second round picks for Carson Wentz. He's going to have to play a lot better than he did last year for the Colts. But he did get good production out of Michael Pittman. We have higher expectations for McLaurin, so we expect him to perform at a higher level. He might be a better talent than Michael Pittman, but... He did support a number one wide receiver. We didn't necessarily see that a lot from Carson Wentz over his tenure in Philadelphia. Most of that was because it was a very tight end, heavy offense. So hopefully he does get the best of Terry McCorn. And uh, I think drafting him, probably round three is too soon for me, but, but round four is when I would buy into Terry McCorn. So we're probably splitting hairs on a couple picks. Uh, but that round middle round four is when I'd be looking at Terry McCorn. And probably the same thing on this guy, Michael Thomas, who can only go up because the last two seasons have been beyond frustrating, missing so much time Due to the ankle injury right now, he's going as the 32nd receiver off the board. If you can get that by all day, 76th uh, overall based on the NFC ADP. Uh, we have him ranked right now. Heath, you're all in on Michael Thomas. Ninth receiver for you, unless this has changed, but this is what I have in front of me. Ninth receiver for you, 17th for Dave, 20 for me. Uh, so Dave and I in a similar range. Uh, so Heath, you're drafting him as a number one receiver, expecting Jameis Winston and the new coaching staff. Or the, the new head coach, uh, Pete Carmichael, still the offense coordinator, but we'll call plays fully uh to have the best Michael Thomas uh that we've seen since three years ago
1: yeah and this was one where I saw a ninth and then thought that's it that's probably too high 13th sounds better like and then I can say he's a number two wide receiver but that the difference between those four spots in my rankings isn't that big or projections I I, the biggest problem for me is like I generally will look at a three-year window and a three-year window for Michael Thomas includes the year where he outscored every other wide receiver in fantasy football by four fantasy points and really had one of the greatest fantasy PPR fantasy wide receiver seasons we've seen recently. So not as good as Cooper Cup. I don't think he probably still has quite that much upside, but I do expect that the Saints are going to be worse defensively than they were last year. They're going to have to throw the ball a little more than they wanted to early last year. I think Jameis is a good quarterback and Jameis will lean on his number one wide receiver and they've not put much around Michael Thomas. So I do expect if Thomas can be healthy that he's going to get like fantasy wide receiver one type targets. And we just have to hope he's still that guy.
3: He just turned 29. So, you know, getting to that point where you got to be a little bit concerned, not necessarily to the same level as we get into the early 30s for wide receivers, but for a guy that's missed basically two seasons because of ankle problems, uh, Dave, you know, the, the saints They're they're sticking with him. You know, there was some thought that they might trade him. There was some thought that they might even cut him, uh, which would have been a huge surprise, but we you know the contract was, was big for a guy that hasn't produced. As Heath said, they haven't put a lot around him. James is coming off an ACL tear. You have that ne- necessarily good or bad. You know, we don't know how healthy James will be, but you also have maybe the Alvin Kamara suspension looming. If that happens, I know that's something you're looking at Heath quite a bit. Um, If Kamara misses time, does that help the targets for Michael Thomas? So um, I know you're not as excited about Thomas as Heath is, but you have him clearly ranked as a uh, safe number two wide receiver to draft. I'm going to guess probably in the same range as McLaurin. So maybe late round three, early round four. Right. So the exact same range as
4: McLaurin. I think McLaurin has just a tad more upside, uh, partially because I'm not sure if they're going to be as pass heavy as, as you think they might be with Jameis last year. Uh, they were more run-heavy than pass-heavy. They ran it more. And even if you take out Week 1, which James barely threw the ball in Week 1, they were really close to 50-50. It was 51-49 pass-run. Now, you might say they didn't add Michael Thomas last year, so they didn't want to throw as much. And maybe with Michael Thomas back, they'll throw more. So maybe they throw the ball 55% of the time. Uh, Certainly, there have been years where they have done that, and Michael Thomas has put up good target numbers. I do expect him to be healthy. I do wonder, though... If the Saints reconsider their stance on holding on to Michael Thomas, given how the receiver landscape has changed, and if there's a team desperate enough for a number 1 wide receiver, maybe they give up something for Thomas and they move on from him. I just don't know how they feel about him in-house, but the fact that he's still there now tells me that they're okay going into the season with him as a starting wide receiver. Is he a field stretcher? Is he a downfield guy? We know that Jameis likes to take shots down the field. I don't think he's quite that. As much, certainly not as much as he is, just this awesome, you know, perimeter receiver that runs great routes and is always open because he's got that big length to him. I think if you draft him as a number two receiver, like a middle of the pack, number two wide receiver, you'll be thrilled. I think if you take him too close to 12 or maybe even 15, I think you're leaving some room for some disappointment. I just think that it's better to be safer than sorry when it comes to Michael Thomas, especially considering that he did not play last year and he doesn't have. That much uh, synergy with Jameis Winston, and we just don't know what this offense is going to look like in 2022.
3: It's going to be fun to see the reports. You know, hopefully there is no pup list Hopefully he's ready to go. And and, and as Dave said, pup list for training camp isn't as you know clearly important as it is for the start of the season. But you'd like to see him start training camp fully healthy, fully ready to go. Jameis fully ready to go. Uh, there is some concern clearly with the offensive line. They lose a guy like Teron Armstead that could be an issue. So maybe they don't run the ball as much because of much success. Uh, but I think you look at Michael Thomas's situation; it's very much easy to buy into. So, let's do this real quick before we wrap up the show. This is Dave's bounce back team, looking at the players that he listed for us. So, Dave's bounce back team would be Lamar Jackson at quarterback. His running back would be Saquon Barkley. Dave is going with a uh, one running back offense, very very similar to what he does with a lot of his fantasy teams. Yeah, offense. who needs running backs anyway, Dave? So he's running a, a one. We're going to call this a uh, one running back, one wide receiver, no tight end league with three flex spots. So Dave's got Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, and his three flex – one wide receiver would be Allen Robinson, and then his flex spots would be uh, Terry McLaurin, and that's it. So Dave's got a very incomplete roster.
4: Oh, great. Now. So I'm already down one guy. i got to go to the waiver wire to pick up yes.
3: somebody. Oh, no. We'll give you Juju's miss Schuster as well because you, you well, like Well, no, those. he stole him from me. He sniped me in the draft. <laughs> you, both the somebody you both back you both, from Juju. This, this is a weird league where you both can share players. So, uh, Heath, your your bounce back roster is Russell Wilson at quarterback. Your running backs are your running back is Ezekiel Elliott. One of your flex spots is David Montgomery. You also have AJ Brown and Michael Thomas. So you lose Juju Smith Schuster. So, uh, Ben, whose roster do you like better?
1: I'm Team Heath. There we go. Yeah, I've got, I've got the I've got the best best overall player in AJ Brown, right? Like the highest drafted player,
4: right? Like, of course, he's going to have the better team. He's got AJB. I've got
3: Brown ranked higher than anybody in my bounce back list. Uh, yes, but you might. If things go right, Lamar Jackson's best ceiling, best season, is better than Russell Wilson's best season. So if they bounce back to their best seasons, that's, that's a true. seven point difference in your favor already, right there, Dave. So. That could help you in a, in a big, big way. So it'll be fun to see how these guys bounce back. You know, clearly a lot of these guys coming off some bad seasons uh, due to injury, due to age. You know, uh, I think we're rooting for a lot of these guys to have big seasons in 2022. So we'll see what happens uh, for this upcoming campaign. So this was our bounce back episode. We got uh, two more episodes for you the rest of this week. Adam will still be on vacation. So you got to deal with just the three of us and hopefully we'll entertain you and get your fantasy seasons Set up right. NFL draft is uh, almost two weeks away, so it's going to be fun to see what happens there. A lot of rumors happening, and we'll find out what's going on around the NFL. So make sure you listen to Fantasy Football Today. Watch us on YouTube, and certainly download us wherever podcasts are available. For Dave, for Heath, and Danny thanks for watching. Today's FFP.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or